If you're hearing this, you have stumbled across Murder Bucket, the true crime podcast with me, Hannah Palmer. Good evening, Murder Bucket family, and welcome back to Tuesday. It is gloomy outside. It's disgusting. It's gross. It's been raining all day long. But as you have seen on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, I am doing a documentary review about a film called Our Father that came out on Netflix this year. And I have a special guest with me today, my husband, Zachary. Hello, everybody. Yeah, um, so we're going to talk about this one. It was directed by Lucy Jordan, and it was at least in part made by Blumhouse. Or, yeah, Blumhouse, that's how you say it. And that's really significant for me because if you know who... I am, and what podcast I'm on, we're on a podcast called Is This Scary? You should listen to it. It's all about horror movies and horror things. If you love those things, I don't, so I won't listen to it. But I'm going to say Blumhouse is one of the leading horror studios right now, and one of the things I really liked about the movie was they used their expertise in spooky, scary stuff to really create an atmosphere of, like, doom and gloom and dread all throughout the movie it actually really helped just because of how unsettling the subject matter is oh yes this subject matter is extremely heartbreaking and upsetting and if you have ever gone through this then you would kind of understand so i'm just going to read the little synopsis from imdb.com and it has said it says that jacoby ballard decided to take a dna test one day in hopes of finding one or two half-siblings with the same sperm donor. And a little background on that is she, when she was younger, kind of realized that she looked different from her family, from her siblings and everything, was okay with if she was adopted and kind of just wanted her mom and dad to tell her that. And eventually, at the age of 10, her mother told her that her father was unable to have children, so she went to this doctor... And they used essentially like a donor DNA um, sample, donor sperm sample, I guess. And well, turns out the um, reason she looked different from all of her cousins was because her donor was her mom's fertility doctor. Yeah. So the start of the film, so I'll read the rest of the synopsis. It says, Growing up, I felt different, she says in the documentary's trailer, but when she found seven matches, she realized that she had stumbled across a major discovery. Jacoba discovers a shocking scheme involving donor sperm and a popular fertility doctor. So for someone, as myself and my husband, who have experienced infertility and going to a fertility doctor, this, like, just in general... Starts out like super creepy in the film where it shows like a really old like OBGYN clinic. It's got super eerie music and then it like pans to like the back of a doctor in his office like relieving himself, helping himself sexually. Yeah. And then it comes up with sibling number one, which is Jacoba. So, okay, sibling number one, great. She realizes that she is not her father's child, that the fertility clinic used a donor sperm. And so then all of a sudden, like, 
like it says in the synopsis, she's got seven matches. Which is extremely rare because they were um, interviewing a very experienced uh, fertility nurse. And she said that the industry average is they try to use a sample three times and then they'll dispose of it because you don't want to have a shallow gene pool running around in a uh, population center because you'll get that accidental incest going on because half siblings can look completely different. Yeah, exactly. Like some siblings, as you can see probably by your own families, that some siblings look a lot like the mom or some siblings look a lot like the dad. So according to this nurse, like Zach said, they claim that they went to like the nearby hospitals, used medical students, medical residents. Medical residents who, by the way, had been screened because for those of you who don't know, the donor process is very extensive. Um, what his former partner, who's an actual good doctor. Yeah, good, good guy. We got a good guy <laughs> in this film. The actual like partner that like his friend states that they can't have like any medical issues, no previous cancers in their family, autoimmune, no autoimmune diseases arthritis. and stuff. So they go to the nearby hospitals. And again, I don't think we mentioned this, but this, this what was 70s. like 1970s-ish era. Late 70s. Yeah. And they go and they get medical students, medical residents and to- And screen them. And screen them. And those are the donors. Yes. So- all of these women that are coming in are believing that they are getting donor samples from healthy men. Healthy men and only being used a max 3 times. <clears throat> and then there were some women who the husbands went with them and they provided their sperm samples that day, but turns out this doctor ended up just, you know, tossing that aside and using his own. Which is super creepy and like makes me kind of, I guess, not really wonder if that happened to us because Zach and I went through infertility treatment. We did IVF. He provided a sample. Yes, our daughter looks just like him. Yes, our daughter looks just like me. I mean, you put her right up to him. She looks just like him. You look at baby pictures of me. She looks just like me. But again, you still have to like wonder. Could this have happened to us? Could this have happened to somebody else that we've known? I don't know. So it gets to the point where she does the DNA sample. She sees that there are so many siblings. She starts contacting them, telling them that she thinks that this is a possibility. And then she tries to contact the doctor. The doctor completely denies it, saying that there's no way... I didn't use my DNA sample or my sperm sample. And we don't use a sample that many times. And we don't use a sample that many times. It's only three times. And again, one of the nurses reiterates that when she's in her interview. But then one of the seven siblings decides to contact every single child and grandchild of this doctor who was over the age of 18 and asks them the question, if they provided any sperm samples when they were at the clinic like if they came possibly because all of these people are showing up that they are related and Jacoba ends up getting in contact with the doctor's son and the son states that his father told him that he actually used his own sample 
But yeah. he says he only did it a max 10 times. Yeah. Now, that and- was the first lie. Well, that was technically actually the second lie. The first lie, he said he didn't do anything at all. The he second never lie, used his own yeah. Sample. The first lie was he never used his own sample. The second lie was that he only did it 10 times. Right. And we're not trying to protect this guy. So this is Dr. Donald Klein, by the way. In Indiana. Indianapolis, in fact. Yes. Indianapolis, Indiana. So, yeah, it's. So he has had four kids of his own that he raised as his own. And then right now the count is 94. Yeah, so 94 children where Dr. Klein used his own sperm sample on women who, get this, did not know he was doing this. Yeah, there was no knowledge, no consent. Apparently, in the documentary, it was a huge red flag of one of the mothers was actually being interviewed, and she recalls going to his office. He would be the only one there. There were no nurses, no other colleagues. There's no, no receptionists. Yeah, no receptionists. No other patients around. She would go there on the weekends. Now, mind you, I did go occasionally on the weekends to my fertility yeah, clinic. Yeah, but that was a fully staffed clinic. Yeah, there were receptionists. There were other patients. There were other doctors. There were nurses. Everything there. So that would have been a huge red flag for me if I walked into that clinic and there was only the doctor there. And then she talks about how she got into the room. She laid on the bed. She had her knees up. She was undressed from the waist down, only had the little paper covering over her like lower half. And then he would leave the room. And then all of a sudden he would come back with a sperm sample. Turns out he would go into his office So he was indirectly medically raping these women, which apparently, as we learn later on in the documentary, is not an actual crime. Like, it doesn't exist yet, quote-unquote yet. Well, it didn't at the time. It does in Indiana now. There's still no federal law against it, but it's because it doesn't quite meet the threshold for what is legally termed as sexual assault because there's no force. There is the non-consent portion, but he's not forcing himself on them. Yeah. Which I yeah, I guess, but I don't see how like an ethics board or anything wouldn't immediately remove his license. They should. A hundred percent they should. Because these women are going into this clinic begging a doctor to help them have a child, something that they have wanted for so long, and Zach and I can attest to that. Yeah. Because we tried for 10 years to have our own children. On our own, we did IUI four different times. And every single time that nurse would call and say that I was not pregnant was absolutely devastating. And then when we finally had the ability to do IVF and I got the call and the nurse was actually crying over the phone, said that I was pregnant. And then I started crying. And then I called everybody I could think of to tell them that I was pregnant because I waited 10 years for this. You can only imagine how all of these women felt going into this clinic, trusting a doctor, mind you. That's the big thing is you you would think you could trust your doctor. You go into a medical clinic, no matter what it is, just primary care, whatever, and you think you can trust this person. But clearly you couldn't trust him and he has no remorse for it because he doesn't think what he did was wrong. Right, and he was a leading doctor. They said that people came in out of state to see him for fertility issues at the time. So 
I guess, especially for the probably the late 70s to early 90s, he was a very respected doctor in his field. Yeah, he was apparently like one of the first people to kind of do these treatments and do these surgeries to kind of help these women and stuff. And like I said in my social media posts, we're going to get more into kind of like the depth of who he was and like his life and then all of the siblings and kind of any other the background of the trial and if anything since this documentary has come out of if anything else has happened to him we're going to do that in two weeks Zachary might be back with me I'm not sure he's going to decide that later but like I said in two weeks we're going to get back into more detail but tonight we're just going to be talking about the documentary so what else do you want to say about this (laughs) well i was gonna it's just as the years roll on like his story changed i think the most he ever admitted to was in the high teens yeah i think he said at one point he talked to jacoba which again is sibling number one he talked to her and said that he used his sample no more than 15 times so we started off with denying the whole thing then only using it 10 times now it's up to 15. And he also, at one point in the documentary, calls Jacoba and tells her that she needs to essentially keep quiet because this is going to ruin his marriage, ruin his reputation, and potentially ruin his career, which, who cares? You did this to yourself. Yeah, and... Um, just... He was an elder in his church. He was respected. He was a known philanthropist. Um, he just outwardly, he was a good, upstanding member of the community. But it's just like you never know what anyone is hiding. And I mean, why would you think that someone is an upstanding, who's an upstanding member of your community, would be doing this? Like it's almost unthinkable. I mean, I. Ever so slightly, I kind of feel bad for him because at the time, he didn't think it was wrong. But then I kind of do think he thought it was wrong because he kept doing it and then he kept asking for people not to talk about it. But the one thing that kind of bothered me in the documentary and that obviously happened in real life was Jacoba did all this research. She reached out to so many media sources, international, national news. She talked... She tried to email the attorney general in Indiana and nobody would talk to her except for one news anchor for, I think it was like, I think it, was, it said Fox 59. Yeah. Fox 59, her local news. Yeah. Station. She sent her a Facebook message asking her to look into this. And this was the only person that actually did anything with this story. She worked on this for over two years, got in contact with a, state prosecutor, got in contact with the attorney general, helped Jacoba, and every single time something new came up, Jacoba went straight to her because she was the only one that did anything. And that is ridiculous. And I'm sure I'm going to butcher her name, but Angela Ganote? Yeah, Angela Ganote of Fox 59. So she's the one that initially listened, and they, over the years, they finally got national coverage and i think the most high profile thing they ever did was all the siblings went on an episode of dr phil yeah i thought that was pretty (laughs) fascinating but then 
over the course of the hour and a half documentary, it went from sibling number one to sibling 14. Then it was like sibling 28. Then it kept 30 going something. 30 something. Then it kept going. And then it was, it got to sibling like 45. And there was a couple in this documentary that were colleagues of Donald Klein, friends of his, a both, husband and a wife. They were both doctors. They both worked with him. They both respected him for his talent in surgery and just as a doctor in general. And thought he was a fantastic human being, wonderful doctor, great man, everything. But then the bomb drops. The wife of this couple talks about how her and her husband had issues with infertility. They go to Dr. Klein and guess what? The twin daughters were Dr. Klein's. He did this to his own friend and felt no remorse for it. And um, their, one of their daughters ended up finding out because her and her daughters both started showing an autoimmune disease. So this woman didn't find out that Dr. Klein was her biological father until she was 47 years old. Yeah. And then she shows pictures of Dr. Klein coming over to her parents' house. Again, mind you, they are friends. And the mother did not know this until later on when the, the daughter did her own DNA test. But there's a picture of the daughter being held by Dr. Klein. And if you look at this picture closely, they look so similar. Well, and they it, have the same eyes. Yeah, they have the same eyes. And it is mortifying. I mean, how could you, after so many years... I just can't even imagine what thoughts are going through their head of they have been friends with this guy for however many years. They have respected him. They have looked up to him. They have, like, told people how wonderful he is. They've referred people to him. They've gone to him themselves to find out that, th that he did this to his own friends. I think the worst part about that story was that, I, yeah, sibling 47 or whatever, but that woman went to him to be her fertility doctor yeah the the sibling sibling 47 i don't remember what her name was but she went to dr klein before she ever did this dna test went to him for her oh, own no. fertility issues we're way off we're way off so this woman's name is allison kramer and she is sibling 61 oh but like okay. well but like we were saying it's so the Kramers thought that he was a great guy for almost 50 years. The shoe didn't drop for them until she did a DNA test at 47. And they what? They had to have been friends with this man for the whole time. 60 plus years Probably. now up until they figured out that this happened. So now you, 60 yeah, years, yeah. you've lost all respect for this man that you have looked up to for so many years. I don't, I just don't get it. I don't understand how he cannot have any remorse for this. And he can still claim, and I'm going to say this, he can still claim that he is a good Christian man, but he has done this to so many women and doesn't see anything wrong about it. Right. Well, but he's also at least connected to the uh, Quiverful movement, which is a fringe Christian movement that does not believe in any form of birth control. Uh, our purpose on this planet is just to produce people and you 
spread the Christian message, you try to get your kids into politics, you try to get it to where the law of all lands is the Bible. That's their, that's their whole thing. Yeah, and, and, and kind of going back on that, there was an instance where Jacoba and several of her siblings ended up getting a meeting with him. And one of the really weird things that he did during this meeting was he asked for all of their names. He asked for ages. ages. He asked for all of their occupations because he essentially wanted to see how his quote-unquote children ranked in this world. I guess he really just wanted to see if his children were like people of prominence, like the Quiverful movement Zach was talking about. But then there was, who was the doctor that was his partner? Robert, Dr. Robert Culver, who in the documentary, kind of toward the end, said that I knew this man up until this point and I lost all respect for him. I knew the Dr. Klein from then until now and the Dr. Klein now learning this information up until the day he dies, I have no idea who he is. And if he were sitting right in front of me, I would tell him to his face that he was evil. Yeah, he said, if I, if Don was in the room with me, I would just look him dead in the eyes and tell him that he was evil. That's that's something for somebody that worked with you for 13 years, had considered you a friend, respected you professionally, and now you're just vile. Yeah. It's just... Every single time, like, something new in the documentary kind of came up, some new information came up, I got shivers down my spine. I jaw-dropped everything. It was the most, like, painstaking thing to watch. And I know some of you on Twitter did say that you've seen it, and it was heartbreaking. And some of you talked about how you've gone through IVF, and you're worried that, okay, maybe that could have happened in your clinic, whatever. And it did say... At the very end of the documentary, that over 44 doctors have done the same thing. However, Klein is by far the most prolific. Yeah, to have, will we say, 94? Well, 98 children in total, but he raised four of them. So oh, it's yeah, okay. just, just four. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. There was one more thing I wanted to say, and I think it's what bothered me the most out of the entire documentary was. That out of the 94 confirmed kids that this man produced, that he didn't raise, none of them are his children. He doesn't consider them his children at all. He was just doing God's work. And it's when people pervert the Bible and just Christianity that way that just, like Hannah said, shins shivers up my spine, makes me a little sick to my stomach. It's just, I don't see... How, just because being a father, I don't see how you wouldn't want to be in every kid's life. Well, I mean, if you're just doing this to do this because you believe that in your quiverful movement that you're just supposed to be fruitful and multiply, which is one thing that kept popping up. Apparently that was hanging in his office. His office apparently was just full of Christian scriptures and this and that and whatever. And even his couple friend that he ended up impregnating she was jewish and she actually told him that she felt very uncomfortable in his office now zach and i go to church i talk about that on our full-length episodes of when i do the week slash weekend recap and i realized i didn't do that this time but that's okay because zach is here hi Uh, but 
we go to church and we believe in God and we read the Bible and stuff, but I kind of think that if you are pushing it on someone, you are constantly like kind of slapping it in their face. That's not the way to go. Yeah. Oh, and then just one more fun detail on the Quiverful movement. Um, Part of their mission statement was also to make sure that the white race doesn't die out. So oh, on yeah. top of everything else, Klein's a racist. Yeah, he is because <laughs> every single one of those children was white. Every single one of those mothers that he impregnated was white. And that is a serious issue. We did forget to mention, though, in the documentary, kind of toward the middle, there was, like, after Dr. Klein spoke with Jacoba and after she ended up going to Fox 59, he tried to threaten the news anchor. Then he threatened Jacoba, saying that she shouldn't talk to anybody, that he didn't want this to get out, whatever. And she states that at one point she went outside to go to her car and every single lug nut on every single one of her tires had been removed. And then there was, I think it was sibling 14, her computer was hacked and every single bit of information that she had saved on her computer about him was erased. And then, I don't remember which one, but one of the other siblings said that for a while a strange car and a man that she didn't recognize followed her around for a while oh yeah and apparently he was just packing all the time because when he went and had the uh, interview with the anchor from fox 59 he oddly asked her if it was okay for him to have a gun inside the restaurant which i mean sure okay you're concealed carry great whatever do you have to carry it with you all the time when the, what was it, the FBI or the attorney general or somebody came to his house to do the DNA sample. He had the gun on his hip and I think he was in his pajamas. He said he had pneumonia and then they couldn't come any closer, but he was no. wearing his pistol on his hip in his pajamas. All right. So that is where we're going to end tonight. It is the first episode in September. So we have our true crime news corner. Zachary is not going to stick around for that. So everybody say bye to Zach. All right. It was fun and maybe I'll see y'all in two weeks. All right. Bye, Zach. Bye. And with that, let's get into... True A Justice Department has issued its first legal challenge over abortion rights since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. They are suing Idaho over a near-total abortion ban. They've stepped in to make sure that women's health and lives aren't put at risk because of this law. Republican Jackie Wierlarski and two members of her staff were killed in a car crash on Wednesday, August 3rd. WNBA star Brittany Griner was sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison after being found guilty of drug possession and smuggling. She has since filed an appeal. More than two years after police officers killed Breonna Taylor, the Justice Department announced a series of federal charges against four officers involved in the operation that set off racial justice protests across the country. Gregory and Travis McMichael were sentenced to life in prison for their federal convictions on interference with rights, a hate crime, along with attempted kidnapping and weapon use charges. A Texas jury orders far-right conspiracy theorist Alex Jones 
to pay the parents of a victim of the Sandy Hook school shooting $45.2 million in punitive damages. This was after he was found liable for defamation by a judge over his claims that the shooting was a hoax. A Texas man was sentenced to 25 years in prison for attacking an Asian family in 2020 because he thought they were Chinese and therefore responsible for the COVID-19 pandemic. A man was arrested after four people were found dead in two burning homes in Nebraska. Both fires happened just blocks away from each other. The suspect, Jason Jones, was arrested on probable homicide charges. Four Muslim men from Albuquerque, New Mexico, have been killed recently. This has now put the Muslim community on edge. Three of these killings happened within a span of two weeks, with the fourth being an unsolved homicide from 2021. A 51-year-old man was arrested and charged with two of the homicides. Police state that he is likely the person of interest with the other two killings. Two former Pennsylvania judges who orchestrated a scheme to send children to for-profit jails in exchange for kickbacks were ordered to pay more than $200 million to hundreds of people they victimized. This is considered one of the worst judicial scandals in U.S. history. The Uvalda School Board voted unanimously to immediately terminate the contract of District Police Chief Pete Arnado three months after a gunman took the lives of 19 children and two teachers. The body of a hiker who went missing in a flash flood in Zion National Park was found on August 23rd. A federal jury awarded $31 million in damages to Vanessa Bryant, Kobe Bryant's widow, after finding the L.A. County sheriffs and fire departments liable for infringing on their constitutional rights for taking and sharing photos of the January 2020 helicopter crash that left nine people dead, including her husband and daughter. Sullivan Walter was exonerated after 36 years of incarceration for a rape that he did not commit. He was just 17 years old when he was arrested and prosecuted as an adult. And lastly, Chris Dawson, who was arrested in 2018 after a true crime podcast called The Teacher's Pet, shed light on the disappearance of his wife in 1982, was found guilty of her murder in an Australian court. I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode as much as Zachary and I did. If you would like to watch the documentary titled Our Father, it is on Netflix. I would highly recommend it. Like I said earlier, we are going to do a more in-depth episode about Dr. Klein's life, all of the siblings and how they were found, kind of a little bit of a background into his practice, and if there were any sort of trials or did he get prosecuted on any of the crimes that he committed. Before you go, please take a moment to listen to this promo from my friend at the Garrett Talks to Himself podcast. Are you constantly struggling with how to function in society? Do you need someone to make you laugh on occasion? Are you wanting to share your thoughts and opinions? Well, have I got a show for you. My name is Garrett, host of Garrett Talks to Himself, a segmented interactive podcast where I do all of these things. Head to anchor.fm slash gtth to subscribe wherever you listen. 
I'll be waiting. Thanks for sticking around to the end. Be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.